0: Okay, last week I preached on we have to go to the Word of God in spite of our thinking. Remember that? Last week. And so this week uh, we have to go beyond our natural eyes in what what they see to the Word of God to truly see what we should see. And so the title of my message this morning is P.S., So I'm going to finish last week's message, if you don't mind, okay? And I'm going to put a P.S. on that. C.S. Lewis said this, There are no ordinary people around us. You'll never talk to a mere mortal. It's immortals we joke with, we snub, we marry. (laughs) Either immortal whores or everlasting splendors awaits them. And what he means by that, he says everyone we talk to will live forever somewhere. Amen? And I thought that was good, and it's so true. If you're without Christ, we know where you will live forever. And if you have Christ, we know where you will live forever. And that's a place called heaven. There's a song that uh, we've sung before at the church, if I can see the words here. Uh, let me see this world through your eyes. And I I love that song. It says, let me see this world, dear Lord, as though I were looking through your eyes. A world of men who don't want you, Lord, but a world for which you died. Let me see this world, dear Lord, through your eyes when men mock your holy name. When they beat you and spat up on you, Lord, let me love them as you love them just the same. Let me stand high above my petty problems and grieve for men, hell-bound eternally. For if I once could see this world the way you see it, I just know I'd serve him, serve you more faithfully. That's a great song. I'd like for somebody to sing that sometime. And the only way we could ever see that is to see beyond our natural eyes and see our spiritual eyes. Once again, 2 Corinthians 5:17 says this here, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith in what God's word that gives us spiritual eyes. Our faith needs to have more authority over our walk than our sight does. Amen? We need to trust what God says in his word and not just see what our natural eyes are picking up and speaking to us by. Example, John the Baptist, when he introduced Christ and he saw him, he saw him coming, he saw more in Christ than just a Messiah. Uh, He says in John 1, 29, he says this here, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. You see, when John saw him, he saw more in him than just his natural eyes. He, John, when he sees him, he's not looking for the cross or Calvary. As a matter of fact, he had no clue about Christ going to the cross and what that cross would accomplish. His death, his burial, his resurrection, and its accomplishments. But what John looked forward to, because he had studied the Old Testament scriptures, he looked forward to God's coming, Christ's coming, and his wrath that will purge Israel's false leaders and Israel's non-believing enemies, like the Romans or Gentiles. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, the Lord said this, or John said this, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you. Now, two things here. He's going to baptize them with the Holy Ghost. When did that happen? Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit of God came down. And with fire. That hasn't happened yet. Uh, As a matter of fact, the next verse explains this. In the next verse, it says this, whose fan is in his hand, he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the gardener, but he will burn up the shaft, the nonbelievers, with unquenchable fire. That will take place one of these days. We know that. So when John saw him, he saw him as this, Coming conqueror over mankind and lost mankind, and he was going to take them away. The Lamb of God will take away the non believers, it will take away the wicked religious ones from Israel's midst, and he's going to do it through the wrath of the tribulation and Jesus' coming back to this earth in judgment. There's a lot more to that phrase, the Lamb of God. Most people just say, well, that just means he's going to sacrifice himself. It did not mean that at that moment. Hello? Matthew 24, 37 says this, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the, day, in, in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came, now get this, and took them all away, so so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Let me ask you something. Who was taken away? All the sinners were. Not Noah and his family. They stayed intact. They stayed in this world. The rest of them were ushered into eternity. They were taken away. And that's the Jews' hope. Their enemies will be taken away one day. It says this in Revelation chapter 6 about the Lamb of God, and said to the people who are saying because of judgments, and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the what wrath of who the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? So what I'm saying to you, when he saw him, he saw him coming to do away with all of Israel's enemies. He didn't see him as his death, burial, resurrection as being sufficient to wash away all man's sins. He did not see that as of yet. Today, we're in what we call the age of grace, the dispensation of grace, the body of Christ going on. And it's interesting that our apostle, Paul, our apostle, the one who was called by Christ himself, Paul, who was appointed by Christ himself, does not once use the word lamb. In 13 epistles, he writes. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Huh? Because we're not looking for Him to come and to clean the world up so we can live here. We're looking, prior to that, we're going up and we're going to heaven. Amen? It's completely different. But we need to see more than our natural eyes see. Now we can look about and we can see with our natural eyes, we can see the economic downturn that's going in a downward spiral. It's a domino effect, what takes place. I just saw last night, we just added, it's either $315 or $380 billion to our national debt in the last 12 months. Since this administration, it will be a trillion dollars by the time they're done. It's an amazing statement in that. And we're going to a socialistic, non-capitalist welfare state. We also can see a world in conflict. We see Russia and Ukraine. We see Israel with Hamas, Hezbollah, and Iran. We see China, North Korea, Turkey, even India behind the scenes lurking. <laughs> They're not out of there with all this stuff. And then we can see with our natural eyes the political turmoil. Our country and our government is so divided today, people don't trust the other side, regardless of who they are. And uh, we see the injustices. It's like we have a two-tier system of judgment. For these people, they get away with it. For these people, they're always under the gun being prosecuted. And we see that with our natural eyes. We also see the the anti-Semitism. We're seeing being shouted in our streets, death to Israel, death to the Jews. As I was studying, preparing this this week, uh, I came across Psalm 122, verse 6, and it just reminded me of something. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Amen? And I just think that's Genesis 12, 3 right there. And if you're a Christian, it's hard for me to believe that you cannot love Israel. I love Israel, I'm not ashamed to mention that, even though I might get flack, let the flack come. I love Israel. Then, I believe, as with my natural eyes, I see more persecution coming. We see it coming. It's going to come from the east or the west coast, and then it will spread inwardly. We'll see a gradual removal of Christianity from social media. We'll see the removal of the 501c3. We'll see the no tax exempt status taken away from us. And by the way, some people say, well, why should a church have that? It's the principle of the thing. It shows that they recognize God in this country. Amen? Then fines will come for our beliefs. We believe contrary to what society is saying is right. We say it's wrong. And then ultimately closing churches that preach and teach the truths of the Bible. I mean, we can just see with our natural persecution is coming. Uh, I mean, it's on its way. Now think, what in this world is going on? Well, we've seen what's, what I just mentioned, some of the things with our natural eyes. But the way we think it should be, what in the Word is going on? Amen. Amen. What in the Word is going on? And when we look at the Word and by faith believe what the Word says, then we're seeing with spiritual eyes at that moment. When I say with spiritual eyes, this is to see, to understand so that we can resist the devil and all of his attacks and his darts that come our way. He's real, by the way. Ephesians 6.10 and following says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the trickery, the traps of the devil. Above all, taking on the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And boy, there's a lot of darts being thrown our way. And this God of this world wants us to remain blinded by just looking through natural eyes instead of looking through spiritual eyes of the word of God. There's a verse in the Bible that says, Anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou may see. (laughs) And if there's ever a day we need to see spiritually, we need to see it today. Even today, it's hard within Christendom to tell who's the enemy. (laughs) It seems like Christians even go after each other today. Spurgeon said this, I don't think the devil cares how many churches you build if only you have lukewarm preachers and people in them. Yeah. Uh, we need to have God set us on fire with his truth and his word in order that we might be able to see as God sees. Duncan Campbell said the kingdom of God, true Christianity, is not going to advance with churches filled with people." but by people in our churches filled with God. Amen, I think that's good. We just need to get a hold of God. Today our natural eyes, we're seeing the chaos in this world. As a result of all this going on, many are fainting. They're fainting because of everything pressing on them. The media's coverage from wars, to economic failure, to cancel culture, to universities' radical teachings, to reversing and downgrading moral values. The media adds fears to our lives every day. I mean, that's just a fact. Somebody counted how many fears there are, and they came up with a list of 800. There are 800 fears, they say. The latest fear, I, I thought this was amazing, the latest fear is homilophobia. Homilophobia. That's the fear of sermons. <laughs> Isn't that something? God forbid they ever hear the truth. Huh? They're scared of it. Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This also know that in last days perilous times shall come. Verse 13. But evil men sh- and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We know it's coming, but what do we do? Then he says in chapter 3, verse 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, the truth that I've shared with you, my manner of life, my testimony, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. And then he says in verse 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. In other words, Paul says, listen, what I've taught you, the word of God, the revelation of the mystery, all these truths about the body of Christ and grace and going to heaven." You know where you heard it. You heard it from me, and you know I received it from Christ. Stick by the stuff. Just stay true to it. Don't waver. Go left or right. Stay true to what I've taught you. Understand something. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. If God didn't give it to us, where do we get it from? course we get it from the world the devil and the flesh our natural eyes that's where we get it from and so what do we do the next verse says this be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our lord nor of me his prisoner but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of god in other words when it's convenient when it's not convenient You just stay faithful to the truth. You might suffer some. I'll take care of you. I'll be with you. But you just stay true to that truth. Paul is saying, what I want you to do, I want you to see beyond your natural eyes. I want you to be able to see in faith in what God's Word says. And when you begin to see the Word of God and you begin to believe it by faith, you begin to see with spiritual eyes. And faith will change. Faith will determine our viewpoint of this world's chaos. 2 <laughs> Corinthians 4.18 While we look not at the things which are seen, naturalized, but at the things which are not seen, spiritualized through faith, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are Eternal. In other words, faith looks beyond what our natural eyes see. Now think of all these things happening, we can look beyond these things through the Word of God and know exactly why they're happening. For instance, Israel. (laughs) We look at Israel. We see, and it breaks our hearts, what's going on. But what's truly going on? And I believe with all my heart, God is preparing her to be willing one day to sign a peace pact. (laughs) She will sign a peace pact, and that will begin the tribulation. She wants peace more than... She's given up so much, sacrificed so much, given up land, given up life, just for the sake of peace. She'll be ready to sign that pact, by the way. And then, what about the surrounding Arab nations that so ruthlessly and arrogantly proclaim their cause? I believe with all my heart, when you read Psalm 83, you know these nations are getting ready to come down on Israel. And the good news of Psalm 83, Israel will kick their fanny. <laughs> That's the good news. And she'll have some peace by then, and she'll sign a peace pact after that. So I believe their nations are getting ready to pounce on Israel. And then there's Turkey. You can't forget Turkey. You know, a lot of people say, well, Russia, Gog and Magog. But I showed on our Wednesday night uh, prophecy teaching here a couple years ago I showed the original maps of a long time ago. Do you know where Gog and Magog are really? Where they are really? They're in Turkey. Gog and Magog's in Turkey and she's going to come down on Israel one of these days with Syria. What about America? America? You see, America, we see it in its decline. You can see with spiritual eyes the word of God, and you look around you, and it's going downhill fast. There's no mention of America in the last days. I think we'll be wrapped up in our own internal problems. We'll be weak, not a big player. We'll probably join some others, or we'll be annihilated by a nuclear blast. I believe that's our future that's coming one day. What about the one world government? We can see it forming today. We see it's beginning to be interwoven. You can't hardly buy a car without parts from one of the countries around. I mean, isn't that true? Parts come from all over, especially in the technology part. They come from China, God help us. We can't even make them here. That's an amazing thing. The one world government. And by the way, it has to be a one world government. Why? So that the Antichrist can rise up and be the leader. And then the body church. What about us, the body of Christ? Well, we're seeing more animosity toward us. We'll probably see more tax against us, hatred of believers, and I believe God's just readying us to go up in the rapture. When you see these other things, it has to be soon. I I believe that with all my heart. You know, the Bible says there must come a falling away first. I watch uh, Christian uh, news media and what they're trying to teach and they're not teaching, and the way Christianity is going and everything like that, there has been a great falling away this last two years than I've ever seen in my lifetime. It's unbelievable what so-called Christendom are teaching and saying today. But notice those two previous verses of 2 Corinthians, verse 16. For which cause we faint not, thank God, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and and eternal weight of glory. Don't give up even though we see our world coming apart, just think of where we're going. Amen? If you don't want to go, you don't have to. You can stay here and go through all the junk. I don't know about you, I'm going up. And these small times can't be compared to what we will experience in heaven. states in 2 Corinthians 5.1, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And even if we have to die, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Paul then says this, unless when I come again, my God will humble me among you that I'm, that's not the verse I want, guys. It's it's 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2 and 4. 1 Corinthians 12 to 2 and 4. I want you all to see this, okay? Because when I've studied, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I could not tell. God knoweth such a one that was caught up to the, where? Third heaven. And then verse 4 says this. How that he was caught up into... That third heaven, what is it? What? Paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter. I think heaven's going to be pretty good. <laughs> I don't know about you, but paradise sounds good to me. Huh? That third heaven beyond anything man has ever discovered. The third heaven. That's where we're going, and we're going there soon. And when we see through God's eyes, his word in faith, we then can see what's truly going on in the world. And we truly know certainty, with certainty, we know God's purpose, God's plan, God's will will be fulfilled because he promised it would, and he's on the throne. Now, God's calling... On people to do two things that I want to focus on and close. He's calling man to be saved. That's his priority. He want, he doesn't want a person here to have to remain here during tribulation and then go to hell forever. He wants you to go up and be in heaven for all eternity. That's his heart's desire. 2nd Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 and 10. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. I guess I didn't give that to you. Who hath saved us, now get this, and called us with a holy calling. It's from God. Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, Who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light? How? Through the gospel. He says, if you will believe that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is sufficient enough to save you, you believe that, he'll save you. And by the way, he says in his word, that's the truth. Not according to me according to his word. That's where our faith comes in. Amen? He says in Ephesians 4.4, there is one body, one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. (laughs) God calls us and we call upon him. Huh? Why don't you call on him today in faith? Just say, God, I, I know I'm a sinner. I know there's nothing I can do to save me, but... God, I'm believing today. I'm believing you sent your son. And your son died on that cross for all my sins. And they buried him. Three days later, he rose from the grave. God, I believe he's alive. That's what justifies us, by the way. The father accepted the son's sacrifice. I believe that's enough to save me. Tell him that today in your heart. And he'll save you right where you are. And then, lastly, he says this. I wrote this down. God's calling believers. Even though we see what's going on in the world, we have faith in God's Word that it will be worth it all one day. God says to us, I promise you that. That's what God says to us. Ephesians 1.8 says this, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in his saints. We have in heaven a great inheritance awaiting us, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus." God says, I want you to know I've, I've got some great things planned for you. And it's waiting for you. So when you close your eyes, don't worry about it. You'll open them immediately, and you'll be where I want you to be. Amen? Amen. I've given this story on several occasions, but it fit here. Many years ago, a fellow by the name of Henry Morrison, he was a missionary to Africa, he had been a missionary there for 40 years. True story, by the way. He had lost his wife to jungle fever. He boarded a ship to come home to America. They ported in San Francisco. And when they got there, bands were playing, red carpet was rolled out, and Teddy Roosevelt, the president, had been on a hunting trip. And when he deborded, when he departed from the ship, they were playing the music. The crowds were cheering. But by the time Mr. Morrison was to depart from the ship, it was quiet, no music, no fanfare, having no reception from anybody. Forty years of service, nobody there to meet him. In the hotel room that night, he said he got on his knees and he said to God, God, after all the sacrifices, 40 years of service, I just don't understand. And God, to his heart, and the word of God that he had learned said, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. And I believe we've forgotten this world is not our true home. And this world is not our friend, but heaven is. Amen? Heaven is. A.W. Tozer, in the old Olympics back in the early days, on the long runs they would have, there would be a man with a spear, His name was Diabolus, which means devil. (laughs) He would try to spear one from finishing his race. Can you imagine running a long race and there's some crazy guy out there with a spear trying to spear you? But today, we're running our race in the midst of this world's turmoil. And the devil throws his darts at us to try to prevent us from finishing our race strong. Regardless of what happens here, God says there is nothing that can separate you from his love. There's nothing. And God is saying this morning, in spite of everything going on in the world, I'm going to get you home. Amen? Is that I'm going to get you there. Romans 8, 30, I love it. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. To whom he called, them he also justified, a right standing for God. And those he justified, them he also glorified. We've been called, we've been justified. Now, we haven't been glorified yet, but since that's God's promise, God's decree, it's a done deal in our future. That's why Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it, for how long? Until the day of Jesus Christ. When is the day of Jesus Christ? That's the day he calls us up to meet him in the air. He's promised to take us all the way through. So regardless of what comes, how terrible it is, regardless of all of that, we're going home one day and we're going to heaven and we're going to be with Christ forever. When I say we, that's we who have been saved because we put our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you've not done that, you need to do that today. Let's bow our hearts, our heads and our hearts, And right there where you are right now, just tell God that you believe in him today from your heart. You say, God, I believe what Christ did is enough to save me. He did that for me. I believe. And if you will tell him that, just tell him that right now. Just believe that in your heart right now. And if you do that, the Bible says you'll be saved. And for us Christians... The darts are flying. The world's chaotic. But thank God there is a peace, as she sang earlier on, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you see all the news and you hear all the media and they're creating all the fear, just remember who's on the throne. They're not, but God is. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word that tells us that our job is to get as many people ready to come home to be with you. Our job is to teach your word, to give people faith so that they can see with spiritual eyes and not just with natural eyes. And God, I pray you do a work in our church with our people. Help us not just to be a church that has a lot of people, but a church that have a people that are filled with you. And God sent a, uh, a fire on us of the importance, the emergency time that we're living in. And God, may we turn to you full force. We give you all the glory in what you might do through us if we just say, God, here I am. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? We hope you received a blessing from today's service. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, Please visit our website at gpindy.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. For more options to watch, just click On Demand on the website. Until next broadcast, may God bless you is our prayer.